You may be seated. Thank you. I'm at a little out of sorts by doing uh, out of a routine this morning. I, I pray that you uh, bear with me and thank you for that. I wanted to uh, talk this morning about uh, things to watch out for. Russell, could you put that next uh, slide up? Things that we need to watch out for. We just mentioned them here briefly. But as Christian people, we, we have a, a lot to watch out for and we have a lot to be uh, responsible for. We are, have a lot to be obligated to. Um, but when we put all of those things together, it is not as difficult as it sounds. In fact, it's very simply put in such a way that we can understand it. All right? To say that, how many of you remember uh, President Nixon and his impeachment? Anybody? And there was a gentleman in his cabinet by the name of Chuck Colson. I don't know if you remember Chuck Colson or not, but he went to prison for what he did under President Nixon. And as he was in prison, he began, the Lord spoke to him, and he became a follower of Christ. And when he got out of prison, he established prison ministries and he came up with a radio program called, um, had it on the tip of my tongue, Breakpoint. I wrote it in my margin, called Breakpoint. And Chuck Colson would put politics and religion together and tell us what was going on with the two and how they were uh, being blended and how they were being divided and it was a great program if you ever listened to it. He was a very uh, well-known speaker for the Lord Jesus Christ in the end of his life. He has since passed away, but he left a, a great uh, legacy for us to follow and listen to. One of his statements in the Breakpoint message was that no matter what the election results turn out to be, that should not change the course of a Christian's life. Amen. Should not alter how we live or the purpose that we are living for. We can understand there will always be divisions and there will always be factions. There will always be problems that the Christian uh, faces in the world that he lives in. And, and you and I are becoming more aware of that. We're seeing our world becoming more chaotic. You know, 20 years ago, we weren't really uh, able to go across the globe in the news like we are today. It seems like what's happening on the opposite side of the planet, I can see it on my five o'clock news. So I'm becoming more aware of the situation of the world. And Chuck Colson said, don't let that change the way that we live our life in the Christian course. Why? Because you and I, becoming a Christian, we enlisted for the duration to be led by the truth. Amen. We enlisted for the duration to be led by the truth, to serve the truth. So no matter what the culture, no matter what the world, no matter what the election results are, you and I enlisted to be in service to the truth. We are called to the truth. The world is gripped by fear. The world is gripped by uncertainty. The world is gripped by anger. But you and I are not to be that way. 
We are to be enlisted for the duration, for the service of the truth. In other words, God wants us to accomplish some things while we live in this Christian world. And so one of those is found on the screen, I hope. <laughs> Here we go. Philippians chapter 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God. Whoa, little g, terrible. Sorry. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Are we living that now? This was written 2,000 years ago. Paul says, don't gripe, don't complain right? So that you can prove yourselves blameless and innocent, children of Almighty God in a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. We have a purpose. We've enlisted to serve God, follow the truth, and to be light in this world. That takes some focus that takes some determination, that takes some power that we do not possess within ourselves, but God will give us that power. And so He gives us instruction that we read this morning in how we can accomplish that and what we can do to follow this truth. Our truth that we follow is unchanging. The world follows a truth that changes day by day by day. Our truth does not change. Our priorities today are going to be our priorities tomorrow. Never less important. Our priorities always remain the same. What is our priority? That the, word, the world needs something better than what it has now, and that is seen through you and I. Those people in your life, those people that uh, are in your family that aren't with Christ, those people at school, those people at work, need to see something better in this world. Need to see some hope. Need to see some solid ground. Need to see some real truth. I heard on the radio the other day that a gentleman spoke to his pastor and he said, he was almost in tears. He said, I'm the only one at my workplace who is a Christian. And he was almost crying about it. And the pastor said, what? And he said, I'm the only one at my workplace who's a Christian. The pastor said, you mean you're the only believer at your workplace? And the gentleman said, yes. And the pastor said, you mean that God entrusted you with all of those people? You see, we, we look at things backwards. We think we're the minority. We are the children of the King of creation. Amen. We are not the minority. God needs an army of one to be victorious. You have an influence on everyone around you. You are not to be influenced by the world. You are to influence the world. You are the light shining in the darkness. You are the salt that adds flavor to life. And when we allow the world, the culture, the situation to change us, we are failing. Amen. We are surrendering to 
Satan. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. We are people to stand on God's word. We are the children of God. This is what he calls us. And so how do I accomplish all that, Brother Clay? How do I get that feeling? How do I get that energy? The world needs to see hope and life. Paul begins this instruction in verse 14. Let's go back there and look at it. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The first step in the process is to not be unequally yoked. We all know what a yoke is, right? Placed on an ox or a plowing type animal and it tied two animals together where they now worked as one. We always seem to go to this text when we talk about marriage. And yes, it can apply to marriage. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Paul makes some comparisons, but before he makes those comparisons, he just establishes solid ground for you and I as a Christian. Don't be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. To be yoked to someone means that uh, the two are now one. Sounds like marriage, but it doesn't have to be marriage. Okay? It can be the idea that my convictions as a believer are now yoked to this person who is an unbeliever. So now we make decisions together because we're yoked together based upon our convictions. My convictions are not his or her convictions. And so how can I make solid life sustaining decisions based on my convictions when I'm yoked to somebody who doesn't believe like I believe. The Bible says you can't and you won't. And so that's one way that we need to stay away from this being yoked to someone. My freedom in Christ is now tied to this person that I'm yoked to and their freedom in Christ. If they're not a believer, they don't have those. So now my freedoms are limited because I'm yoked to somebody who is not free in Christ. My beliefs are compromised because now I believe a certain way about God, biblically. This person, an unbeliever, does not believe like that, but I'm yoked to them. I have to make decisions with them. And so now my Beliefs are being compromised because I'm yoked to someone who is not a believer in Christ. You see how that works with marriage? Okay? I, I had a couple come to me one time and, and they sat in my office, wanted marriage counseling before they got married because you get uh, your license at a discount. And so after talking to them, I realized something. I realized that this woman was a believer, or so she said, but this man was not. And so because of my convictions about the Bible and this text right here, I pleasantly and graciously told them that I was not going to be able to perform their marriage based upon 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Because she's a believer and you're not a believer, are you? He said, no. I said, well, let me tell you about Christ. And I began to tell him about Christ. And guess what happened? She got agitated. 
She got agitated because I was more concerned about this man's soul than she was. And I only knew him for a short amount of time. And as the conversation went on, I told them that I couldn't marry them because of this reason. Do not. And I looked at her in the eye and I said, do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. And we left it at that. I guess they found somebody else to marry them. You know, that almost seems like I am uh, I'm kind of uh, gloating. I'm kind of uh, holding that over their head. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, I don't know, condemning to them, doesn't it? When I say, oh, you, I won't marry you because of this and that and that. It seems condemning. But let me tell you, it's not condemning. It's not condemning. I'm not condemning that, man. I'm trying to win him to Christ. But the world looks at it differently. And I have to stand on that ground, and you must stand on that ground because the world needs to see something different. Amen. The world needs to see something solid. The world is looking for hope and life. And if I compromise that to them, then I'm deluding the gospel. I'm deluding what I believe. I'm compromising my convictions. I'm not standing on solid ground. The Lord said to us, you are the salt of the world. If the salt loses its flavor, then it is no good for anything but to be thrown out on the ground under men's feet. You are the salt. You add life and flavor and you preserve life. He went on to say, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? You don't light a candle and put a bushel over it. But you light it and hold it high so that it illuminates the entire house. Amen. This is you and I. We cannot compromise. We cannot bend over backwards to get along with the world. We must stand on truth. Paul says, do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Of course, that works for marriage. What else does it work for? It works in business. If you're, if you're in business and your partner is not a Christian, you are unequally yoked. You cannot make solid biblical decisions for your company when your partner is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just cut and dry. I'm not stepping on your toes this morning. I don't know who your partners are in your businesses. I'm just telling you what the Word says. Don't be yoked to them. This is going to cause you problems. This will compromise your situation. This will delude the gospel in your life. There are political alliances that we don't need to be yoked to. There are investment alliances that we don't need to be yoked to. And investment ventures. Primarily it is about marriage, I agree. Not primarily. It can be used in marriage, but it is also used throughout our life in many things. People really are longing for something solid and true and worthwhile. So this brings us to the great divide. All right, The divide that Paul brings up in the text. Look in verse 14. And what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, or fellowship has light and darkness? What accord has Christ with Bilal, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? 
In all of these five comparisons, the answer is nothing. There is no comparison. There is no uh, reason for these to be together. They cannot be together. And so Paul gives us those comparisons. I don't want to talk about all five of those, but I do want to say about the first one. When we look at that text, we almost get the idea that a believer now is an attractive and a wonderful person. What, what situation does a fellowship a, a righteousness have with lawlessness? Or fellowship has light with darkness? Or Christ have with the devil? Or a believer with an unbeliever? We almost see this division being drawn that a, that a believer is a wonderful person, a beautiful person. And an unbeliever is a horrible person and an unattractive person. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's not talking about the moment that you're living. He's not talking about today. Paul is talking about judgment day. Paul is talking about the end of the story. Paul is talking about the end point of our life. What association does righteousness have with lawlessness. Okay? I live in a lawless land. I live in a land now where the police are being run out and the criminal is being elevated. I'm living in that land now. What, what position does righteousness have with lawlessness? None. We don't need that. But we're living in it. It's not the now that Paul's addressing, it's the end of my life. When I stand before God and the righteous are separated from the lawless, when the light is separated from the dark, when the sheep are separated from the goats, when the wheat is separated from the tares, that's what he's talking about. What association do these have at the end? None. None association. What does Christ have with the devil? At the end, nothing in common. Nothing. Christ and His people, the devil and His people, separated. There's no association. There's nothing that we can be familiar with or desire to have. So the reason for this compromise is not the immediate that I'm living in. It is the end when the journey is done. The difference is a believer and a non-believer have a great deal of differences. That's why we're not to be yoked together. Amen? Paul is not saying that Christians are nice and non-Christians are not nice. He is saying that there are some Christians who are hard to get along with. Amen. And some Christians are hard to be around. And then there's some non-believers who are great engaging people. And we enjoy being around them. He's not saying to separate ourselves from them. He's saying, what do you have to do with them at the end? Nothing. That's what he's saying. So when he says here to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, that is a here and now moment. But then when he starts comparing us to each other and to an unbeliever, when we come to the end of our life, what do we have in common? We have nothing in common. Amen. I have everything in common with them now. I live here. I eat here. I work here. I dwell here. I recreate here. I do a lot of things here just like they do. And that was God's design. Is that I would be here 
as a light, as salt, that you would be here as light and salt to the people that God has placed you around. At your workplace, at your school, in your family. God has called you to be that light. To be that salt. It is important that we see this. There is a divide among us and the world. But it is not while we are living here. The second thing I want you to see is that we need to be distinct in Christ. Look in verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Okay? You are the temple of God. What was the temple in the Old Testament? It was the place where God dwelled. It was the place where God could be approached. There was a process that a person would go through or a priest would go through in order to be in the presence of God. And it was a purifying process, a washing, a cleansing, a purifying process so that he could go into the temple where God dwelt. Right? Now we see that has changed. Paul says... What has the temple of God to do with idols? Nothing. Has nothing to do with idols. And then his next words are, You are the temple of God. So now, when somebody wants to approach God, or let's say I want to approach God dwelling in me, Paul's going to help me understand here that I need to be cleansed. And I need to be purified. I'm going to approach God. He's dwelling in me. Therefore, because of this great promise, I need to cleanse myself. I need to purify myself. What have the desires of your flesh have to do with the desires of your spirit? Nothing. The Bible says they war against each other. Inside of us, there is a war continually taking place. My flesh and my spirit are at war. The Bible says if I am the temple of God and God dwells in me, then I must be pure. I must be cleansed. I'm done so through the blood of Christ. That doesn't annihilate the battle that I face from then on. I'm cleansed to allow the Spirit to move in me, but then I must keep this process going. I must deny my flesh, and I must lift up my spirit. I must work and serve the truth. I must live the truth. I must be the truth so that God could be seen in me that the world would see something different about my life. They would see me not compromising. They would see me standing on truth. They would see you doing this as well. This text does not forbid our relationship with unbelievers. All right? We are supposed to be in relationship with them. What it is forbidding is that you be yoked to one. Don't make those ties with an unbeliever to where both of you make decisions for you. Okay? That's what he's saying. Don't let that happen. He's forbidding us being yoked together. Where both of us tied together have no ability to be distinguished from one another. Let's just say you were in business 
practices with an unbeliever. You had a partnership. You had a relationship in business. And uh, something happens at your company, and you are an upstanding Christian man in your church, but this guy does something that's wrong. What happens to you? You are in a partnership. You go down with him. You're yoked to him. Amen? Do you see that? You're yoked to her. You'll go down with her. That's why Paul says, don't let that happen. Don't be yoked to something like that. Don't let the decisions inhibit your ability to be different. We need to have friendships. We need to be in service. We are the salt of the world. We need to show the way and the flavor to life. But we need to stop avoiding being different. You are different. You need to be seen as different. You need to be lifted up as different because the world is looking for something that is different. Let's take the first comparison, for instance, in verse 14, the righteousness with lawlessness. Now, remember, this, this is referring to the end point of my life. If one believes in God's righteousness, and then one who does not believe in God's righteousness, but we're yoked together, okay? I believe in God, I believe in His righteousness, but my person I'm yoked to does not. What do they have in common? They have nothing in common. Amen? Nothing, even though they're yoked together. So this unbeliever does what is right in his own eyes. He doesn't have the Word of God to measure him. He doesn't have the Word of God as a mirror to look in his heart and to look in his life. He doesn't have this. He does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. He does what is right in his own eyes. He has nothing to measure against. There is no standard in his life between right and wrong, true and false. He just does what he wants to do. Amen. But you're yoked to that. You've made a commitment to this person. You are tied together. Your decisions are now based upon each other and not upon you alone. So what happens to this person? He makes these poor decisions and you get drugged down with him. The Bible says in the last sentence in the book of Judges, there was no king in the land at that time and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Amen. And it brought the nation of Israel down. It brought them to ruins just like it will bring us to ruins. We cannot go about with this crooked living. We have to be in the truth. That is at the end of the road for our life. What common do I have with this person? Nothing. Then don't be yoked to them now. Amen? The last thing I want you to see, now that we have these promises, look in verse 16 with me again. Verse, uh, the second part. He says, We are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and they will be... I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. The temple is where God dwells. 
This is where he may be approached. This is what Paul tells us. In the second Kings chapter 21, there was a king of Judah named Manasseh. He was the worst king ever. He brought in filth and immorality into the temple of God. He brought in idols. He brought in false worship. He was a horrible king. He, lived 50, he reigned 55 years. Under his rule, the nation fell apart. Under his rule, the people lost their way. Under his rule, there was no hope in the land. There was no hope for life. Listen to me. We are that same temple today. Don't bring things into your life that will compromise. Don't bring things into your life that will harm the temple. Don't bring things in that will contradict the truth that you stand and believe on. Let us purify let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and our spirit. If we go back to the Bible in the book of Hebrews, we come to chapter 11, we see a chapter called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And in that chapter, we see many people mentioned, and they were referred to as pilgrims. They were sojourners in this land, Amen. in this earth. If you were to see them, they were different than other people. The Bible says they were peculiar. They were strange. They were unlike the rest of the people of the world. The Bible says they were passing through this life and this place. The Bible says that they all had a passport and their address said City of God. They never really settled down anywhere that they lived in this world. They were never quite like everybody else. They were known as the people of God. That is the idea here. Out of reverence for God, because of His promises, let us be the people who long for His holiness, who choose it over the things of this world. Amen. You know, I know it's easy to say, oh, I want that, and I, I want to be holy, and I want to be right with God. But then the next time Satan brings that temptation, we just melt like butter, and we fall all over it. What's wrong? What's happening to us? I told you at the beginning, it takes determination. It takes focus. It takes prayer. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes a desire in me to be pleasing to my Father more than a desire to fulfill my fleshly wants. I must turn away from the things of the world and look to God and God alone for my satisfaction, for my whereabouts, for my life. I want to be a person who chooses that way, not somebody who falls for every scheme that Satan throws at me. I want to be somebody who's different. I want to be somebody who's associated with the world, but I'm not yoked to it. And when the world looks at me, I'm different than the world. I'm different than them. I talk different. I look different. I act different. I am different because the Spirit of God lives in us. We are different people. Why? So that when others see me standing, 
they will know that there's something about Jesus that they don't have, that they don't know. You know the problem is most of the world sees the church as phony. They see us as phony people because they see our cars in the parking lot on Wednesday and they see or Sunday night and they see our cars at the bar on Saturday night. They see us here on Sunday morning worshiping God and they see us down at the casino throwing our money away during the week. They see us doing things here at the church on the weekend and they see us living like them in the world during the week. We're phony to them. Amen. There's nothing different about us. The only thing different is we get up and go somewhere on Sunday morning while they sleep in. That's what they think. Man, think about it. We are different we must be different. The Lord said to us we're different. He's called us to be different. Most believers think that things are phony and people are phony. There's no real Christians in this world and their hopelessness continues for everyone. I want to close with this story about a young lady who was born blind and deaf. You know her. She's famous. Her name is Helen Keller. Could you imagine growing up in a world in complete darkness and complete silence? Think about that. Complete darkness and complete silence. Never hearing a sound. Never seeing a glimmer of light. This was Helen Keller. You can see why she grew up to be violent and difficult to be with. And her family had to call people in to try to help her, correct her, manipulate her, work with her. And finally, God sent a young woman by the name of Ann Sullivan. And she was able to take Helen Keller through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and she taught Helen about colors. She taught Helen about sounds. She taught Helen about feelings and emotions. She taught Helen about life because of Jesus Christ. You see, you are that Ann Sullivan to people in your circle of influence. Amen. There are people living in total Silence and darkness. Oh yeah, they see. Oh yeah, they hear. But they don't see God. And they don't hear God. You are the voice of God. Amen. You are the hands of God. You are the difference in people's lives. Come out from among them. Do not touch the unclean. And I will be your God. And I will be a father to you. And you will be sons and daughters to me. Man, how can it get any better than that? So Paul adds, Seeing these promises, brothers and sisters, let us cleanse ourselves of the impurities of this world. Amen? Amen? Will you do that today? Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper. If the deacons would get ready uh, at the back, gather up there. We'll begin that in just a minute.
Miss Lois is going to come and play us a song of invitation. Maybe today the Lord spoke to you about your life. Maybe there's some things in your life you need to get rid of. You know, in the Old Testament, when people needed to get rid of something, you know how they did it? They didn't throw it out the back door or out the window. They brought it to the priest at the altar. And they laid it down. And they got up and walked away. We have that opportunity for you here. Oh yeah, you can sit in your pew and you can say, I'm going to change. But until you make a real, public, definite commitment that others see, you'll fall and you'll go back. Jesus said we must make our decisions public about Him. Jesus said we must make our decisions uh, without compromise. So if you're going to try to hide your sin in your pew and then go out and deal with it yourself, you're going to stumble. But if you'll bring it down to this altar and lay it before Christ in simple prayer, He will take it from you. He'll destroy it. And you'll walk away free from it. That's how that works. That's what this altar call is about. This altar call is not about, oh, my hair's messed up. Or, I wonder what somebody's going to think if I go down and pray. I'll tell you what they're going to think. That should be me. I should be going with him. I should be going with her. That's what they'll think. Today, you can do that. You can get rid of that. You can start cleansing your life. You can leave it at this altar and God will take it from you. And you can get up and go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. That freedom that you offer to us right now in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you bless this moment in every heart. Lord, you've given us great promises. You've instructed us how to live and be salt and light. You've shown us to stand on truth and to serve it in service to you. Lord, I pray today you give someone courage to take that step and make that commitment to you. That we might see uh, the next light shining in Aaron Springs, in Lindsay, in Garvin County. That we might hear about them years from now of the life-changing decision they made even today in this place. I pray, Lord, that you give us that.